Isaiah 40, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Today we relight the candle of hope. Recalling God's promise to us. We also relight the candle of love, celebrating God's love for the world in Jesus Christ. And we relight the candle of joy, reminding us of the joy found in Him. So today, we light the candle of peace. Let it remind us to prepare our hearts. For the coming of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, keep us in perfect peace as our mind is stayed on the truth and power of your love. Thank you for your mighty, sovereign hand. Help us to trust fully in you and rest in the peace that you offer. It's all in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. At this time, I'll uh, dismiss the kids to head back to Cove Kids to meet with Miss Patricia to learn about this fourth Sunday of Advent and prepare for Christmas, uh, which is near upon us. Speaking of Christmas Eve, Zach uh, reminded you about uh, outdoor Christmas Eve worship at the Rob Fleming Pavilion. I want to read you uh, a praise report from weather.com. <laughs> Some clouds in the morning will give way to mainly sunny skies for the afternoon, high 52. And then the night, clear. That's all we need to know, clear. All right. So I say that's all we need to know because uh, of two things. One, it is going to rain sometime this week, it looks like, but not on Christmas Eve. So the ground might be uh, unworthy of blanket sitting. Bring chairs, all right? Number one. Number two, I didn't read what the temperature is that night because uh, we're just going to praise God for the clear part and... and, uh, And we're going to announce that, hey, it's going to feel a little bit like Christmas in Texas. So bundle up, bring some jackets, bring some blankets, and it's going to be a glorious evening for us to worship together as a community, not just as a congregation, as a community on Christmas Eve. I look forward to being with all of you there. Ephesians 2, uh, beginning in verse 14, is our scripture today. I hope if you have your Bibles with you, you will turn with me there as we follow uh, along also with the words on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Beginning in verse 14 and following on from there as we together hear the word of the Lord. For he, that is Jesus, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we, have, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is God's word offered in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to come together to worship you this morning. Lord, we praise your name and we celebrate what it is to be a people, one people, your people who know peace. Lord, confront us with your word, convict us of its power, and help us to learn from you this day so that we might grow in our knowledge and love of you. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I ask, for oh God, that you would open our hands. Open our hands that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some commercials that just stick with you. So, you know, as I say that, certain commercials pop into your mind. Some of them might be uh, the, those kind of Super Bowl commercials. For others of you, it might be some commercials where they've just created a brand out of it, right? Like, like the Geico Gecko. And like, you know, if you see that little guy, that they're advertising insurance through Geico. There's another insurance company that advertises uh, using a character, but it's not a Geico. It is a short dude. His name is Chris Paul, and it's State Farm. Uh, so State Farm has this whole shtick with Chris Paul where Carlton, yes, I know his name is Alfonso, but I will always call him Carlton, you know, right? So, uh, so Carlton uh, comes to Chris Paul's son, and he's like, hey, hey, I'm your dad. And he's like, you're not my dad. And, uh, and then he says, if I wasn't your dad, could I do this? And he does something with a basketball, and he, like, inevitably fails at it miserably, and the ball goes flying, and next thing you know, like, like a flower pot hits a, hits a basketball goal, knocks it over, and crushes a $20,000 uh, damage worth on a car, right? Like, that's the shtick, and it's, and it's done over and over in all these different ways, and it's always the fake Chris Paul. And I think about this, uh, and, I, and, and the fake Chris Paul, maybe another word, way to say it would be the counterfeit Chris Paul, counterfeit. If I were to, to come to you with, with uh, a, a counterfeit $100 bill, maybe, maybe even so blatant that it's Monopoly money, and I have a $100 piece of Monopoly money, and I, and I say, hey, I have $100, can I get 520s in exchange? What would you do? Would you give me 520s? Not, not, none of you? Not one of you? Come on, hook me up, right? Like, like it's, just, it's, just, it's just money, right? Of course. I mean, it's counterfeit. It's fake. It's not real. Now, sure, there's some substance that's similar. They're both made of some sort of paper, but it's not real. It doesn't have the same value. It's the same with, with, with a brand. Like if I was to say I have, I have a, a fake Rolex, yeah, I have a watch, but I don't have a Rolex. 
Y'all understand the difference? Fake is not going to have the same quality or value as real. If it's counterfeit, it just isn't quite the same. I'm going to put this out there, and I want you to rest with it for a second. I believe that you and I settle for counterfeit peace on the regular. We settle for counterfeit peace as though it is good enough. And why would we do that? Maybe it begins with the fact that we don't really understand what peace is. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't settle for, 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 uh, for Alfonso on our basketball team. The Carlton just wouldn't work when you're trying to make the playoffs. We would want the real deal. And maybe it's because we just don't know the difference. So I'm going to begin by a description of, of biblical peace, biblical shalom. And, and, and many would posit that the whole meta-narrative of Scripture from creation to new creation, from Genesis to Revelation, is a journey of shalom, a movement of peace, where there was peace in creation at the garden. When God made, uh, made everything and one thing after another, he said, good, 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 until he got to you and to me, to humanity, and said, very good. That peace there in creation. And then there's the movement of, of broken fallen, sinful world, and, and God's continued pursuit and our continued brokenness until it's ultimately brought back into order or made possible through Jesus and ultimately fulfilled through the second coming of Christ in Revelation. This is a movement of shalom, peace. And this peace is fourfold. In biblical standard, peace is fourfold. And it's fourfold wellness and wholeness well-being and wholeness in four different sets of relationships. The first, maybe the most obvious piece, is the one in relationship between us and God. Biblically, that relationship has been fractured through sin. Our, our broken sin uh, continues to tear the fabric of our relationship with God. And so to, to, to find peace, to achieve shalom, there has to be a way for the relationship between us and God to be repaired. That's one. Number two, between us and ourselves. I mean, I think about all of the anxiety, the shame, the guilt, the, the, the wrestling with temptation, and, and in fact, the sin as it uh, rips at the own our own fabric of being, our soul, in fact, and, and how we could feel it tearing, that needs repair. And so when we are in conflict in and of ourselves, we require shalom, wholeness and well-being in relationship to ourself made possible in Jesus. And then the third uh, is the way in which we relate to one another. The way in which you relate to your family, to your friends, to me, to the people that you're sitting next to uh, in worship, the people that you'll see at the grocery store, the people that, 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 that are in community with you, and the people around the world. The way in which you relate to others. This is the third aspect of shalom. And, and that divide is real. Those, those 
relationships are fractured through uh, different elements of hostility. The most prominent that we think of when we think about peace is war. Actual physical war can create devastation, but that's about the relationship. There's more going on there that is broken, but those relationships are being, uh, are, are, are exhibiting uh are exhibiting war in, in such profound ways that the peace it does not seem possible, but for biblical shalom to be made possible, our relationships are being restored. And then the last and final of fourfold shalom is our relationship to creation. When God created, it was good. And then in the midst of the fall, God still yet trusted us and commissioned us to be in good and healthy relationship with the world such that we would have stewardship and dominion in the world. And, and whenever that takes place, we must be in harmony, wellness, and wholeness with creation. That's what fourfold shalom looks like. So whenever you think about peace in your life, what does that peace look like? Does that look like shalom? Or do you settle for something less than that? Over the course of the, the, the canon, uh, we see how God is continually about the work of peace. And the amount of effort and intensity that is put towards that and the focused drive until we arrive at Jesus that it deserves might cause us to pause just a moment and say, if it was worth all of that, including God's only son, what does my version of peace look like and is it counterfeit? I think if the history books read 2020 accurately, 2020 won't be the year of of politics won't be the year of COVID. Uh, if it read it accurately, a deeper dive, 2020 would be the year of division. 2020, the year of division. You've certainly experienced it uh, in countless numbers of ways as, as we've uh, had a fractured reality uh, that we've been living in. 2020, the year of division. Maybe it starts uh, in American politics, uh, from impeachment to election to rigged election. This has been a whole host of division around politics. And it seems like there, there are only uh, two parties uh, at play. It's either uh, Trump enthusiast or Biden enthusiast, and there's not much in between. And, and what does a conversation about politics look like today? So, so screaming is exactly the answer. It, it, it doesn't look like a conversation at all. It looks like a debate where, uh, where hostility rises up in each of us such that we no longer listen to each other. It's impossible to find common ground because we start with the assumption that there is no common ground. We assume that division is all that exists and that unity cannot exist. That is 2020 politics. Division 2020, COVID. There are the COVID cautious and the COVID comfortable 
and there's nothing in between. And I just labeled those two poles generously because the sides, the poles that actually engage in this conversation don't have much of that grace about one another in it, right? I mean, whenever we start talking about the other side, whether you're COVID cautious or COVID comfortable, you got all your facts and you're ready to just spit them out and tell them how they're wrong. That's how we operate this year. And, and, and what do we do? We, 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 we fuel ourselves. We, 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 we dive into it. We feast on this division. Here's a way that it might look. So uh, we have those that believe that masks will save the world and those that believe that masks are totally worthless and trash. There doesn't seem to be a, a popular public opinion of a middle ground space that I'm not a scientist, so I'll wear the mask and we'll see how we get through the pandemic. That doesn't seem to be popularly articulated. It seems like there's either it's trash or it's, gonna, or it's the savior of the world, one or the other. And, and so much so that, that, that we arm ourselves with facts, with websites. I got a friend, she lives uh, in, in, in rural Texas. They have not had many cases in her county, so they are not required to wear masks by state edict or decree or law. Law? Law is probably a better word. I just made it sound really negative, right? So, uh, so they're not required to wear masks. So... Uh, she is uh, anti-masker. She doesn't believe that masks are worth anything. So she's armed herself with her websites. And she's documented all of the facts that she could document, done, done all of her research, laid it out, and she printed them on sheets of paper. And she keeps them contained in her purse that is obviously large because it holds large sheets of paper. And she walks around her county shopping, eating, whatever she wants to do, and she knows that she's going to get dirty looks from the people that believe the masks are going to save the world. And so she'll get the ugly stare, and she'll be like, come at me. I'm ready. That's the spirit in which she kind of comes at that. But if someone actually says something to her, which, as she accounts, is very often, why aren't you wearing your mask? Are you trying to hurt me? She'll say, actually, here's my sheet of paper. Inform yourself, and she'll walk away. 2020, the year of division. Right? How did we get here? This is where we are. And we feast on that division. We feast on that division by, by, by searching for headlines. We're headline hunters, right? We search for the headlines that will support our positions, whatever they may be, political or medical. Uh, we we want to search for them. And, and as soon as we see that headline that's just going to give us more ammunition, we, we click. It's just clickbait. It's like, yeah, I need more so that my debate skills will be refined and so I can defeat all of, my, all of my opponents so I will have victory over the enemy. And so you click that and you read it and you digest it and it's fuel to your division fire and then once more we we surround ourselves with people that agree with us maybe this is just me in this season i have i have i've just kind of feasted on relationships of people that agree with me in every form and facet if you agree with me you probably talked with me 
Like, this is, this is the kind of thing that I've done. And, and I'm like, hey, hey, I, I'm a funny guy. If you just, like, will pull uh, my string and let me go, I'm going to go. And you're going to laugh, and you're going to be like, yeah, 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 man. And I'm going to be like, yeah, 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 crush the enemy. And then, and then I'm like, hey, let me pull your string. Turn around, turn around. I'm going to pull your string. And I'll pull your string, and you're like, whoa, dead, victory. Twenty twenty is the year of division. It's not the year of politics or the year of the coronavirus. It's the year of division. And what have we done in response to all of that division? We've sought out a counterfeit peace. Here's what we've done. We've, we've manipulated conformity to present itself as peace. We've, we've surrounded ourselves and quarantined ourselves, oftentimes, oftentimes using social, social distancing as an excuse to do so with only people that will echo exactly what we already believe so that we can pretend that we have peace. We have muted or unfriended all opposition, not in order to create genuine peace, but to manipulate our circumstances, pretending like conformity is peace. Like there is actually only one and there is not two. But there's two. And 2020 has presented itself in so many ways as the year of division. Ephesians presents uh, itself, uh, Paul presents this argument of division in 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 outstanding ways, in ways that we probably don't fully get because we, we, we don't live in that culture or that community. And so when, when Paul articulates there are two and these two become one, we're like, two really? Is it really that big a deal? And he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And we hear Jews and Gentiles and we're like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, man and woman and slave and free and Jew and Gentile. Like these are the things that become one. And it just doesn't startle us or shock us in any way. Get this, Jews and Gentiles do not mix at all, period. That's it. In fact, a Jew who encounters a Gentile and relates to him in any way or her in any way, shape, or form is actually unholy, unclean, and not right with God. Do you get how, how vast this division is? You cannot even interact with one another without being made unclean. Your, your faith, your, your connection with God is at risk if you try to bridge that division. That division is intentionally laid and it's descriptive in how it's to be ordered and it is not able to be breached. And Paul says these two are made one in Christ. That needs to be shocking. And it needs to give us hope. If those two can become one, then what other two can become one in Jesus? 
And we might need to reassess whether or not uh, counterfeit peace is the kind of peace we seek. Or maybe the peace that Jesus has to offer can actually do something better than what we are settling for. And this story of peace is, is woven throughout Scripture. And I want to point to a few ways and places in which we see peace move in this meta narrative until we arrive at Ephesians 2 and then, and then ultimately in Revelation. So we're going to begin in Judges. If you have your Bibles, again, in Judges chapter 6, we have a story of Gideon. And Gideon is celebrating what God has done in their midst and how God has achieved peace in ways that were astounding and beyond compare. And in verse 24 of Judges 6, the word says, So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Oprah of the Abazarites. Did y'all get that? It, on the altar was inscribed that the name of the Lord is peace. We as Christians oftentimes point to uh, the, the, the words of John in 1 John where it says that God is love. And we, we attribute love as this is who God is in the very nature. But there's more than that in Scripture. God is love, but God is also peace. God's very name is peace in Judges 6. And, and that, that peace is something that is offered to us to be wholly realized in Jesus, the, the, the prophet Isaiah points to Jesus in this way in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do, do you, Jesus, the Son of God, is inherently the Prince of Peace, because he is God's Son, God, who is peace in Judges 6. So when you advance that forward, we know that the, the prophet Isaiah, in the midst of all the division and discord and strife that the people of Israel were experiencing the exile, as they had been defeated, as they were there, the, 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 the word of God comes to them and says, there is something greater for you that is coming in Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He's going to establish something permanently that has not yet been established. We have known it in part through the work of God in the world, but it will ultimately be known in the Prince of Peace. And Jesus didn't shy away from this. Nor did the, the witness of, uh, of the angels. They carried this forward all into the New Testament. First, the angels gathered in Luke chapter 2 uh, as, as the shepherds were in the fields and a, a heavenly host came. And they say in verse 14 of chapter 2, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. For all of those to whom Jesus has come as Lord and Savior, there is peace. For you, full shalom, fourfold peace. And Jesus speaks to this with his disciples. He, he claims that 
out loud with his disciples as a part of his identity and his offering in John chapter 14, verse 27. He's talking with his disciples uh, as he's on his way uh, to the, the Garden of Gethsemane where he will be betrayed and then ultimately lead to the cross. This is on Holy Week. Here's what he says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace, the peace of God, the peace that comes from the Father, I give to you. This peace just didn't enter the world through the incarnation. It now is extended through the incarnation to all of us permanently. I give it to you. I offer this to you. Is it counterfeit? No. Is it permanent? Yes. Will it fulfill all things and reconcile us to God, to ourselves, to one another, and to creation? Yes. This peace I give to you. And it's witnessed that it extends beyond his uh, his presence prior to the resurrection in the fact that when he is resurrected in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, and then continuing multiple times as he continues to appear to his disciples, he says the same thing each time. Verse 19, he says this, On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together when the doors, with the doors locked for fear of the Jew, Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace, peace be with you. Peace with us. This is the biblical truth that we rest on. And yet, and yet we settle for counterfeit peace over and over again. I read in Luke chapter 2 that image, that image of Christmas that we love so much, that Charlie Brown image where, where the shepherds are in the fields watching over their flocks by night, and then the heavenly host shows up. And I want you to think about the heavenly host. This means the, the angel armies of God, all of the heavenly host. I want you to imagine the heavenly host, angels, choirs of angels that are singing together. And they're singing from horizon to horizon, uh, from the north to the south, from the east to the west. And, and, and I, as more than there are stars in the sky, there are heavenly hosts that are singing account of what is taking place. And they are declaring peace on earth. But I want you to hear that. I want you to see that so that you can experience the dissonance of the reality we live in all too often. I believe with all my heart that whenever the saints of God, whenever you and I, whenever the people of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, experience division. Let me repeat that. Whenever we experience division, all of the forces of wickedness rejoice. This is their aim. When we experience division, the forces of wickedness rejoice. So in contrast to that image of God's heavenly host, I want you to imagine that as 2020 has been this year of division, that, that, that the, this, the, these forces of wickedness are filling the skies, finding glory in all of our strife, in the division and the conflict that we find ourselves in. And, and, and every time we, we rest in a counterfeit peace and act as though it is sufficient, I want you to know that those hosts are rejoicing and I want you to say, that is not my aim. 
I will no longer settle for that sort of division. And I will no longer settle for a counterfeit peace that does not satisfy. The scripture describes it in Ephesians verse 16 as hostility. Division is hostility. In verse 16 it says, in one body to reconcile both of them to God. So Jesus is making two one through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Has your hostility been put to death? So this Christmas, as you interact with family members that you have experienced some division with over the course of this year, and hostility begins to rise up in that normal operating procedure, ask the question, has this hostility been put to death? If any raises up in you, turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. No longer feast on division. No longer find yourself rejoicing with the forces of wickedness in the ways in which we break our relationships one to another. But let them be repaired with the power of Jesus. How would that be possible? It begins by uh, entering back into relationship, leaning in, not pulling away. All too often this year, we've, we've pulled away and we've distanced ourselves because it was easier. It was easier uh, to, to receive that counterfeit peace. But no, it, peace is not one being, uh, uh, acting like there's only one. Peace is making two one. And so lean into the fact that there are divisions and announce that we are united in Jesus Christ the Lord. That unity is what we need more than ever. I need this Christmas. We need this Christmas. The world needs this Christmas to be the time when it is announced that 2020 might have been the year of division, but the Christmas of 2020 is the announcement of peace. Peace is with us. Peace is here today. We are fully united, one with another. I don't care what you think about coronavirus, and I don't care what you think about politics. What I care is that you proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord alongside of me, and I'll walk with you hand in hand. Tell me that you want to follow Jesus and we're going to walk the same direction. We're going to do it day by day over and over again until it's real. And we need it to be real this Christmas. I need it to be real this Christmas. I felt so much brokenness and pain in so many relationships. It tears me apart and I'm done with it. All I want is Jesus and Jesus is the one that can repair all of that to begin with. So why did I turn to anything else to begin with? What kind of a fool am I that I'm going to act as though something else can satisfy? That's just counterfeit. It's just fake. It's not worth anything. All, all that it has worth is Jesus. And so point to him this season. That's going to be my aim. And I invite you to join me in that because Christmas 2020 needs to be the Christmas that we were put back together in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Whew. God, our Father, 
We need you. We need you now. We need you this season. We need you this week. We need you in this world. We need you in our relationships. Lord, we have experienced hostility in ways that we can't count this year. Put it to death. And we know that's possible through the death that you experienced on the cross. So, Lord, grant us peace. Let us rest in you. And let all that is around us infuse peace. Infuse your peace in all that is around us. So that we would know the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we need you. God with us. Peace with us. Lord, we pray that you would make it so in Jesus' name. Amen.